sincerity and remorse unlock the door to single-mindedness. The minds of sentient beings possess the treasures of Buddhahood. All of you have come to the temple to participate in this seven-day chanting retreat. During the night service, which is called the Incense of Wisdom Life, there is a set period of time for the discourse. But the length of the discourse after morning and noon meals depends on the situation. Using the term discourse, I feel rather ashamed. Who am I to give a discourse? All I do is just repeat what our predecessors said. But if you like what I have to say, please follow it. If you do not like it, you may disregard it. Of course, if I make a mistake, please correct me. The term for giving a discourse in Chinese is made up of two words, to open and to reveal. How can I explain this? The first word means to open your pure mind, and the second, to reveal, the infinite treasures in your mind that are no less than the Buddha's. In everyone's mind there are precious treasures. It is not the case that only the Buddha has them. Because we have closed the gates of our minds tightly, the sunlight cannot stream in, fresh air cannot enter, and within our minds it is dark and gloomy. Although we keep these treasures in such a dark room where there is no sunlight or air flowing through, they do not rot and decay like other things do. Even though the treasures do not rot and decay, it is certainly a waste to hide them away in a dark place. The Buddha has infinite wisdom. He knows that the minds of sentient beings embody the same infinite treasures as his. It is just that we do not know how to reveal these treasures. Therefore, the Buddha descended from the land of perpetual peace and light to compassionately give discourses to sentient beings so that they may awaken their Buddha nature and reveal the infinite treasures within their minds. The Buddha wants all sentient beings to realize that these treasures have been with them all along and there is no need to seek beyond themselves. Nevertheless, each person must probe deeply, take out the treasures, and put them to good use. It is impossible for the Buddha to do it for you. Even though in the present we are suffering sentient beings, we must come to understand that in our minds we have the same infinite treasures as the Buddha. Why has the Buddha already obtained the treasures while we have yet to do so? Thinking about it, we should be ashamed because we have not been diligent and we have been too lazy. As the saying goes, if grandpa practices, grandpa gets the benefits. If grandma practices, grandma gets the benefits. But those of you who do not practice certainly will not get any benefits. Now that we have heard the Buddha's teachings and understand the principles, we have to practice accordingly. Otherwise, our listening is futile. Yet somehow we just cannot practice even though we know it is good for us. This is because of the hindrances arising from the negative karma of our past lives. Truly, it can be said, the force of karma is inconceivable. Even though the force of karma is inconceivable, you must realize that the power of the Buddha is even more inconceivable. Do not be afraid of your heavy negative karma. As long as you sincerely recite the name of the Buddha and earnestly do prostrations, 
Then when the time comes, you will reap the full benefits because you have perfected your cultivation and all the causes and conditions are in place. Turning the Ordinary Mind into the Mind of a Buddha All of you have come here for this retreat, and if you want to be able to take advantage of this serene environment, you had better make the effort and be diligent in chanting the Buddha's name. Do not drown yourself in a life of ignorance and indulgences, just like ordinary people. Do not overly protect your body, for in reality, what is there about this body to protect? All it does is create bad karma. Your parents have gone to great lengths to raise you and nourish your body. You should put your body to good use by reciting the Buddha's name and diligently practicing the way in order to repay their kindness and to show gratitude. I hope all of you will let go of all of your attachments and make good use of these seven days, a rare opportunity. Concentrate your minds and do not let them wander into deluded thoughts. Only then will you be able to make progress in your practice and not waste your efforts in coming here for this retreat. When we come up here for a seven-day chanting retreat, we want to reach some kind of attainment within this time frame. First of all, we must not be careless in our actions or our speech. Furthermore, we need to keep careful watch over our minds so that we will make some progress during these seven days. The Chinese term for attending a seven-day chanting retreat literally means striking the seventh. What it really means is getting rid of manas, the ego, the seventh consciousness because this consciousness is filled with greed, anger, and ignorance. Let us suppose that you would like to be charitable, but your seventh consciousness is stingy and greedy and cannot let go. A retreat gives you the chance to turn this greed and stinginess into the wisdom of impartiality. Moreover, we can turn the first five consciousnesses the five senses, into wisdom of accomplishment. This means being able to accomplish whatever you set out to do. And we can turn the sixth consciousness, the discriminating mind, into the wisdom of profound observation. Within the eighth consciousness, the storehouse consciousness, you have to rid yourself of every last remnant of the mind of creation and destruction and turn them into the wisdom of the great and perfect mirror and thus become a Buddha. So the purpose of a seven-day chanting retreat is to get rid of your bad seeds in all of the eight consciousnesses. Only in this way can you transform the ordinary mind into the mind of a Buddha. Buddha recitation accomplishes this. What is the mind of a Buddha? The pure mind is the mind of a Buddha. If it is impure, it is an ordinary mind. Therefore, the minds of ordinary sentient beings and the Buddha's mind are, in essence, no different. The only difference is whether they are pure or not. Even though the minds of sentient beings cannot be immediately purified, what we can do is to have a sense of remorse, and bring forth utmost sincerity. Suppose you have committed unwholesome deeds such as killing, stealing, or sexual misconduct and you are laden with karmic offenses. However, as long as you can generate that sense of remorse and truly repent, 
and sincerely commit yourself to forsaking all evil and embracing only the good, then it is like the saying, despite the fact that you have been heading east for a long time, if you turn around, you're facing west. It has also been said, we worry not about the rise of delusion but the late coming of awakening. Through the meritorious power of upholding the precepts and chanting the name of the Buddha, you can eradicate all karmic offenses. Once your karmic offenses have been purified, you will perfect your six sense organs and be able to use the six spiritual powers without obstructions. If you hold to the sacred name with remorse and utmost sincerity, you will certainly be able to achieve rebirth in the Western Pure Land. Your seed of Bodhi will fully mature and you will be able to save all beings. Attaining all three kinds of non-regression The greatest benefit of being reborn in the Western Pure Land of Ultimate Bliss is that you can attain all three kinds of non-regression. They are the non-regression of attainment, the non-regression of practice, and the non-regression of mindfulness. Once you are reborn in the Western Pure Land, you simultaneously attain these three kinds of non-regression. This is not like what the sutras generally refer to as the three types of non-regression, which are attained in sequence. Let us first talk about what the sutras usually describe as the three types of non-regression. In the Saha world, in order to achieve non-regression of attainment, one must attain arhatship by eliminating self-attachment and afflictions arising from views and thoughts. Only then will one not fall back to being a secular person. If you achieve the initial stage of the four sagely fruitions, you will certainly attain arhatship and never fall back to the three lower paths you will only reincarnate within the human and celestial realms. And even if all you do every day is just eat and sleep, it will only take you at most seven lifetimes to escape the cycle of birth and death in the three lower realms. If you are diligent in practice, of course it does not take seven lifetimes. Perhaps in three or five lifetimes you will be able to end the cycle of birth and death. This is unlike us, worldly people who are still pitifully transmigrating within the six paths. If we are not careful, we will break the precepts and commit unwholesome deeds, thereby falling into the three lower paths. To achieve non-regression of practice, you need the following conditions. 1. Resolving to tread the Bodhisattva path and deliver all sentient beings. 2 not falling back to the two-vehicle stage. 3. Cutting off the delusions of views and thoughts. And 4. Eliminating the delusions of dust motes. In order to achieve this, you must generate the Bodhi mind, seeking Buddhahood and delivering sentient beings as you advance towards the ultimate goal. If you want to obtain non-regression of mindfulness, you must let every thought flow into the great ocean of Buddhahood. You have to penetrate the darkness of ignorance and attain the Dharma body of the Buddha. To attain rebirth in the pure land of ultimate bliss, it is not necessary for you to put an end to all your delusions as long as you single-mindedly chant Amitabha Buddha's name. Even if you chant the Buddha's name only ten times, you can still be reborn in the pure land despite having residual negative karma. 
From this Saha world with all of its contaminations, we can travel together to the land of ultimate bliss and live there together in purity. Our pure essence will be held in one of the nine lotus grades and we will always be together with the sacred ones. Then you can observe and learn from them day and night, forever sever the conditions of regression and position, and thus attain the non-regression of attainment. Since you will constantly listen to the Dharma and joyfully follow the Mahayana way, you will never encounter conditions that will make you regress, and thus you will attain non-regression of practice. Moreover, when your lotus bud blossoms, you will see the Buddha, since you can always see the Buddha, your every thought will be turned towards seeking Buddhahood, and you will leave behind the conditions leading to regression in thought, thereby attaining non-regression of mindfulness. For these reasons, once you are reborn in the Pure Land, you can simultaneously achieve the three kinds of non-regression and attain Buddhahood in this life. This kind of extraordinary benefit can only be found in Amitabha Buddha's Pure Land the ultimate non-regression. Other sutras only refer to the three kinds of non-regression without mentioning the ultimate non-regression. What is the ultimate non-regression? This term clearly elucidates the meritorious virtues of chanting Amitabha Buddha's name and the name of the Amitabha Sutra, perfect, unimpeded, and inconceivable. When you are practicing Buddha recitation, it does not matter whether you are chanting with a focused mind or with a scattered mind, intentionally or unintentionally. Once you hear the Buddha's name or the name of the sutra, even if you do not chant it, it will be stored in your eighth consciousness and become the seed of Buddhahood. That seed will never rot or decay. Even if you do not escape from suffering in this lifetime, Millions of kalpas later, when the virtuous roots mature, you will ultimately escape the cycle of birth and death, and attain Buddhahood. The meritorious virtues of the Buddha's name are inconceivable. During the Buddha's time, there was an old man who went to the Jetavana grove to seek the Buddha's permission to become a monastic. At that time, the Buddha's most accomplished disciples, such as Shariputra, were great arhats who had the power to perceive through their wisdom eyes, everything within 80,000 great kalpas. They found out that this old man had not planted any virtuous roots over the past 80,000 great kalpas. Besides, he was too old to take up monastic life. So the arhats told him that he could not become a monastic practitioner. He was saddened to hear that he did not have any virtuous roots and therefore could not fulfill his wish of becoming a monastic practitioner. He could not help but burst into tears. The Buddha already knew it inside out, but intentionally asked what had happened. The disciples related the whole story to the Buddha, whereupon the Buddha responded, He is allowed to become a monk, because way back, more than 80,000 kalpas ago, he planted a virtuous seed. How did he plant the seed? More than 80,000 kalpas ago, this old man was a lumberjack. One day he went up into the mountains to chop some wood and encountered a hungry tiger. Fearing for his life, he climbed up into a tree to save himself. In panic, he called out, Namo Buddha! It was this single chant of the Buddha's name which enabled him to become a monastic, because the virtuous seed had now matured. 
eventually he attained Arhatship. Just as it says in the Lotus Sutra, if people with scattered minds enter stupas or temples and say but once, Namo Buddha, they have realized the Buddha way. For instance, if ordinary people who do not believe in Buddhism encounter disasters such as floods, fires, or earthquakes, they may blurt out, Namo Amitabha, or Namo Guanying, in that urgent moment. As long as one calls out the name of the Buddha, one plants the seed of Buddhahood. When the right causes and conditions come together and the time is right, the seed will naturally mature. In the end, one will attain Buddhahood, which is the ultimate non-regression. At this retreat, we recite for 12 hours every day, completing tens of thousands of recitations and at least 500 prostrations. With such meritorious virtues, how can we not go to the Pure Land? We certainly will be reborn in the Western Pure Land. It is not necessary to have attained single-mindedness to achieve rebirth there. The single-mindedness mentioned in sutras can be explained in two ways, phenomenal single-mindedness and noumenal single-mindedness. Once you have attained phenomenal single-mindedness, you have also reached the stage of non-regression of attainment. You will be reborn in the land of expedient liberation. Once you have attained noumenal single-mindedness, you have also attained non-regression of mindfulness. You will be reborn in the land adorned with real rewards. Although the recitation of ordinary people has not reached the state of phenomenal or noumenal single-mindedness, as long as you chant the name of Amitabha Buddha, you can reach ultimate non-regression. Sooner or later, you will be reborn in the Western Pure Land. Rest assured, as long as you can sincerely and steadfastly hold to the sacred name, you will be reborn in the Pure Land. Do not be afraid that your efforts will not be good enough, and do not be afraid that if your mind is distracted you cannot be reborn there. The most important thing is whether or not you are steadfast in holding to the sacred name. If you can firmly hold to the sacred name and also possess faith and vows, then you will certainly get there. Whether or not you are reborn there is completely in your own hands. The Dharma Reign of the Sacred Name As the saying goes, evil can never prevail over good. But, in certain cases, the good may be oppressed by the evil. This is exactly what it is like right now, in this Dharma ending age. Erroneous views are rampant. People confuse right with wrong to the point where their truth cannot stand up to falsity. In this evil world where the five turbidities are prevalent, Buddhism seems to be overshadowed by heresy. However, this is only a temporary state. It is said, The good is like a pine tree, and evil resembles a flower. When the flower blossoms, the pine is no match for its beauty. But when ice and snow arrive, you will see only the pine, not the flower. As we know, water can extinguish fire. But it is impossible to put out raging flames with a glass of water. How can a little glass of water put out a big fire? That is just how it is in this Dharma ending age, with heretical teachings everywhere. Sentient beings have very shallow roots of virtue while their obstructions from negative karma run deep. Analogously, if you take these shallow roots of virtue to be the water, and the heavy burden of negative karma to be the fire, 
how can this small amount of water put out the fire? That is why, when we chant the Buddha's name, our minds drift and are full of scattered thoughts. While doing prostrations, we struggle with rampant, delusive thoughts and our bodies ache all over. When a fire breaks out, you have to quickly search for water and attach a hose. Then you can spray a cooling shower of water to put out the fire. When we recite the Buddha's name and find our deluded and afflicted thoughts proliferate, do not pay any attention to them. Just continue to chant, Amitabha, Amitabha, incessantly, and these troubling thoughts will eventually vanish of their own accord. The name of Amitabha Buddha is like the water. If you can firmly hold to the name, you can receive Amitabha Buddha's sweet dew of merits and virtues. This water of merits and virtues is absolutely pure, being able to cleanse sentient beings of all their contaminations and completely remove their karmic hindrances accumulated over infinite lifetimes. Now, all of you have come to the temple for this retreat and are practicing diligently to acquire the sweet dew of merits and virtues. This Dharma reign of the sacred name falls everywhere. Is there any fire too great to be put out by a rain like that? Fire can burn and destroy the natural environment, but it cannot destroy the universe. So we say that, in the end, evil cannot triumph over goodness. All of you should have this right view. You must not be afraid when you encounter heretics or malicious-looking villains. It is the tight bowstring that snaps first. It is the unyielding knife that gets damaged first. Villains can appear to be powerful for some time, but not for long. Goodness is like the pine tree and evil the flower. The pine is an evergreen while the flower will not even last a hundred days. Those who commit unwholesome deeds will suffer as a consequence of their own actions. We should be more compassionate towards them and employ various skillful means to guide them. Using right views, right understanding, and the meritorious virtues of upholding the precepts, we can influence and transform them. Their original mind and original nature are still essentially good. It is only that they have been temporarily misguided and in their confusion they created negative karma. If they are aided by good affinity, their innate goodness will ultimately shine forth, enabling them to abandon evil and return to goodness. With one chant of the sacred name, you have realized the Buddha way. After hearing what I have said, I'm sure all of you have full faith in the Dharma, right? Please come to the retreats more often. Do not come only once and never again. Having recognized that you have shallow roots of virtue, profound karmic obstacles and insufficient blessings, you should chant the name of the Buddha much more often. Make every effort to cultivate. In doing so, you will remove your karmic hindrances more quickly. Only by chanting more can you remove your karmic obstacles and increase your blessings and wisdom. You simply cannot put out a big fire with a single glass of water. We should firmly believe that, with one chant of the Buddha's name, one has already realized the Buddha way. You have to believe that in this one lifetime you can attain rebirth in the Western Pure Land. What joy it would be to get there in this lifetime. There is no need to wait two or three lifetimes. 
One lifetime is miserable enough, much less the 80,000 kalpas for the old man I mentioned earlier. He endured so many lifetimes of suffering in the cycle of birth and death before finally attaining liberation during Shakyamuni Buddha's time. How painful it is to suffer in the cycle of birth and death for so many lifetimes. I am definitely, in this lifetime, going to return to my original home, the Western Pure Land. The greatly compassionate Amitabha Buddha will, without a doubt, come to welcome me. You just wait and see. Every day, all of you sing the verse praising the merits of Amitabha Buddha. Forty-eight vows he made to deliver sentient beings. In nine lotus grades we all reach the other shore. The lotus grades that you can be reborn in are divided into the upper, middle, and lower levels. Each of these levels contains three grades respectively for a total of nine grades. The lotus grade in which sentient beings are reborn is determined by the depth of their cultivation. In your recitation, if you have reached the state of noumenal single-mindedness, you will be reborn in the upper level. Whereas if you have attained phenomenal single-mindedness, you will be reborn in the middle level. If you hold to the sacred name with genuine faith and firm vows, even without having attained single-mindedness, you can still be reborn in the lower level. For those who have committed one of the five cardinal offenses or the ten unwholesome deeds, if they chant the Buddha's name and repent their offenses, they can still be reborn in the lowest grade of the lower level. In that case, relying on Amitabha Buddha's great vows, they can take the residual negative karma with them to the Western Pure Land. This is Amitabha Buddha's unique gateway into the Dharma. With regard to the nine lotus grades, it is said, the result you obtain is proportional to the effort you put in. It is just like the saying in the mundane world, you get what you pay for. If the merchandise is good, then the price is naturally higher. If the price is cheap, how can you expect to get something that is of high quality? Therefore, if those who have been remiss in their practice can now diligently chant the name of the Buddha and attain single-mindedness, they can be reborn in the highest grade of the upper level. Once they complete the Bodhi path, they will be equal to the Buddha. In conclusion, as long as you employ utmost sincerity in reciting the name of and prostrating to the Buddha, how could you not be reborn in the Western Pure Land? Not only will you attain rebirth there, but you will also be reborn in one of the higher lotus grades. You should understand that there is no better time than now to liberate yourself in this lifetime. I hope all of you will work diligently on your Buddha recitation and seek rebirth in the Western Pure Land.